0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Cairo Union Podcast. Today I wanted to talk about the associate position versus starting a practice out of school, or, or another way to view that same topic would be uh, opportunities in chiropractic. Um, another perspective of the same topic is also the future of chiropractic and the profession. Uh, so trying to Answer a relatively common question that I encounter uh, is Should I associate or should I get a job or should I open a practice? That's the a very common question. Comes from a wide range of people because there's a broad spectrum of people that attend chiropractic college. They could be people that have never had a job that went directly from high school to prerequisites to chiropractic school to graduation with a license or the ability to apply for a license never having worked for anybody doing anything but there's also a significant number of new chiropractic graduates that have had careers and were that evolved into a career in chiropractic such as physical therapists physical trainers Uh, I went to school with Uh, People that were in the military or had served in the military and were on the GI Bill or this was the, they were career military and her second career was in chiropractic or uh, massage therapists, Uh, their career just evolved into chiropractic and other people were brought to chiropractic uh, through, uh, you know, like myself, I was uh, previously in the mortgage industry, but I had found chiropractic as an adult. I had never heard the word chiropractor before, and didn't know that this uh, profession existed, uh, and discovered it later in life, and then decided to join the profession later in life. So you, you have people that uh, this is a second or even third career that are graduating, and you know at that time in every chiropractor's career there is a certain amount of uncertainty. There's, a, a, you know, it's a high stress situation um, because. You're trying to predict the future and you're trying to make decisions that can have lasting ramifications and have long-term impact on your career. And uh, because of that, uh, there are gurus and there are people that target uh, that population of chiropractors, the new graduate, the people that are trying to make that decision. Should I look for a job or should I seek employment or should I open a business and start a practice? When you look at the associate or employment opportunities, if you're going to work as a practicing chiropractor, you you have essentially two different opportunities. You have a salaried position, or you have a commission-based position, or you have some combination of the two. Some will be 100% commission, some will be 50% commission, some will be uh, with a small salary, some of them will be all salary with no commission. but the two basic categories are going to be salary versus independent contractor and i bring that up right off the beginning because if you're an independent contractor and you're working solely on commission or you're working for <clears throat> uh you're working on commission with a very small salary what's the there's no real difference between being an independent contractor and being uh a solo practice or being a business owner you essentially are a business owner if you're an independent contractor uh, working with either on a draw versus commission or some type of structure where where your main source of your income is production-based. You are essentially a, a self-employed individual, um, so what are you giving up uh, or what are you gaining by t- accepting or t- taking that avenue towards self-employment uh, rather than simply opening your own business? Uh, so that narrows the field of employment to some degree because of the employment opportunities that are available, a portion of them uh, are going to be this type of employment, which is essentially self-employment, sometimes independent contractor, high commission structure position uh, or, or draw versus commission or some, some type of independent uh, employment opportunity where you may technically be an employee you may have to follow the policies, procedures, and everything else of the office and do exactly as you're told, how you're told to do it, but at the same time, share in the liability of being a self-employed individual. Share in the liability of taxes. Share in the liability of licensure and insurance and patient care. Uh, so you, you essentially are a self-employed individual. Uh, so it shrinks the field a bit now but there are considerations if you've never had a job before uh, that might be one of the reasons why you're even considering taking an associate position but when you're looking at an associate position you need to ask yourself what is it that i'm looking for what is it that i want to learn what are my goals does this position meet my needs and serve my goals because if it doesn't then it's a complete waste of time and if it does help you meet your needs and serve your goals then even if the long term uh, you know even even if the even if the relationship the employment relationship doesn't develop into a long term relationship and it's it's a you still any time you spend Working towards meeting your needs and serving your goals will be time well spent. So, if it, so you have to determine what those things are before you start seeking employment, because then you'll be able to tell right away this opportunity doesn't meet my needs. It's not worth my time. I don't need to explore that further. Uh, you'll be able to uh, evaluate the opportunities much better if you determine what your if you determine for yourself what your goals are and what your needs are prior to seeking the. Position and then ex- and ultimately accepting a position. There are opportunities that are outside of the practice of chiropractic, but they're very few and far between. There are teaching positions that are available, but we only have a small number of chiropractic colleges throughout the country, and those colleges are quite small. And also, when people. Uh, get into that line of work, they typically keep those jobs for an extended period of time, and the longer they have them, the harder they are to remove the the more involved they are with the university uh, the more their identity uh, involves being a professor or a teacher at a chiropractic college uh, and they just they have they develop an academic style career so it can the opportunities are few and far between and it can actually uh, Be a bit of a challenge to gain gainful employment immediately after graduation, especially if you do not have any previous teaching experience. Now, if you were a teacher prior to entering chiropractic school, then you may have a hand um, or an upper hand on people that don't do not have any teaching experience prior to entering the profession. So, depending on your previous experience. Uh, There may be opportunities in teaching. There may be opportunities in research, uh, although there will be very few. uh, Or you could act as a legal expert. You could work in the insurance industry. And again, those could be self-employment opportunities or those could be uh, gainful employment opportunities. uh, But again, very, very few and far between. The Veterans Administration, I remember hearing a lot about the Veterans Administration when I was in school and legislation that had passed and legislation that was pending, all these things indicating that the Veterans Administration would be hiring and employing a great many number of chiropractors. I've never actually seen the the shift uh, that uh, was expected or was anticipated, the hype uh, never came to fruition. It was it, there was a lot more hype than there was actual jobs. Because there are actual jobs with the VA, but again, they seem to be very few and far between. There was a job uh a number you know, a year or so ago that was posted uh and my sister, you know, it got forwarded to me. Um and just out of curiosity, you know, investigated it a little bit. Uh, Which it was quite easy to investigate. The, The one thing that was troublesome is that it was presented as though the position was at a particular location. But the actual job was not at that location. Like you would work for a military hospital that was at a particular spot. That would have been highly desirable and would have been... Uh, you know, uh, a once in a lifetime kind of opportunity. But in reality, you would have worked for that location, but you would, have, when you reported to work, you would have been hours and hours away in an entirely different location. Uh, and that's where you actually would go to work every day. It's just that your paycheck would come from, uh, this, uh, other highly desirable location. And when I talked to the recruiter, they, uh, made it clear uh because I was curious well what what does this job pay? what are the responsibilities are you practicing? you know are you seeing patients what are the guy guide- you know things like that and um, th- they were very forthright, very easy to get a hold of uh answered all of my questions without an application or having submitted anything they had no you know, th- th- just a uh a recruiter uh was readily available uh and answered every single question that you could imagine in as much detail as possible. Uh, and also, was not, uh, afraid or to say, I don't know, I can find out or I can contact you later. But, you know, I always appreciate when people, uh, are willing to tell you that they do not have the answer or a complete answer, uh, and that they need to, you know, get clarification or seek further information, uh, in order before they'll willing to, uh, give you an answer, uh. I much rather someone say that than just make something up (laughs) and it gives credit uh, to everything else that they say. So it it gives, it builds credibility in the answers that they do give uh, because I'm more confident that they're being accurate. Um, But he, he made, he was, um, of all the jobs that he had ever recruited for, he made a point of saying this is the, one of the most highly competitive positions uh, that he's ever uh, recruited for at the veterans administration. He's like, if I was hiring uh, a nurse, for example, and he says, I might have to go to job fairs, I might have to uh, do um, a number of things in order to get candidates that would meet the qualifications in order to get somebody in the doors. And I have to really work to try and find candidates to apply for the VA that would meet the qualifications. But that was quite the opposite for the job that was posted uh, for a Doctor of Chiropractic, in that he re- immediately, immediately upon posting the job, he received hundreds and hundreds of applications, and he also was nice enough to point out because as I went through, as I read the government job description of chiropractor, that prior that those with prior military service, those those people that I attended school with that had prior military service, that they were. Um, essentially giving priority over all other applicants and that there were a number of applications already submitted from people that were either active military or at a prior military service for this position and that they would be given preference over all the other applications of which there were already hundreds and I believe uh, I had um, contacted the recruiter you know, within a few weeks of this job being posted. When I was doing research for this podcast, I looked again uh, through all government jobs and there were no jobs listed for the VA. When this job was posted, there was four postings that I could find on the internet, but they all referenced this one job. So even when I did find this one job, and I have seen jobs posted before uh, for the Veterans Administration, but it's usually singular. There's usually a chiropractor being recruited for one location at a time, uh, meaning that at any given point in time, there may be one or two of these jobs available in the entire country, for the entire, U- or actually in the world, because sometimes these postings are international, sometimes they are in Germany or other locations outside the United States. So um, it's, uh, uh, they're, they're very few, they're very far between, and they do not pay incredibly well compared to other professions Uh, associate positions in general do not pay very well Um, but if you're considering opening your own business even a job that doesn't pay very well is still going to generate more income initially than the cost of opening a business because you have to spend money in order to open up a, an office. Even if you're doing so with very little overhead, equipment that's already owned, uh, and, and uh, you're still going to be coming out of pocket to start the business. And it'll take time before you start generating money. And if you're getting uh, any position that you're working for, um, hopefully will pay a fair wage for your time uh, if it's not then it's an essentially it's a self-employment opportunity if you're not being paid a f- if you're expected to work 6 hours and you're in return you're going to generate a fair wage for those 6 hours then you have a job if you uh, are expected to work 6 hours and you are not guaranteed a fair wage for those six hours you are essentially self-employed whether you're in somebody else's office and call an associate or not Um, but these jobs uh, that pay you a fair wage they're not paying uh you know hundreds of thousands of dollars these jobs with the veterans administration were paying between 40 and 70 thousand dollars per year and again previous military experience previous clinical experience all of these things for a highly competitive job, are important, and the new graduate may not meet those qualifications. They may not have clinical experience. They may not have previous military experience. A new graduate that's never had a job has fear, or even if you've never just owned a business before, there's a lot of fear of opening a business. You know, there's a lot of uh, assumptions that a person makes that are, uh, founded and based upon the fact that they're afraid of opening up their own business and that they they justify their fear with assumptions. And honestly, if you have the time, uh, you're self-motivated and there's an opportunity, the reward, there is risk, but there's also tremendous reward. The risk ward analysis, especially in chiropractic, you, you, sh- you should do everything you can to open up your own business because of the limited job market and, the, and of the jobs that are available. And just, let's take a look at the job market real quick because I keep talking about it. So if you went to some of the the larger job sites uh, in the country and did a national search for the term chiropractor or chiropractic, you're going to get about 1,490 or so results. It's a rough estimate, but right now on the Internet, best guess, there's about 1,490 jobs that are being advertised for chiropractor or chiropractic. If you compare that to physical therapists or doctor of physical therapy, which has a very similar scope of practice in the United States, there are currently 21,614 jobs posted across the United States nationally. So just to break that down quickly, Of the 1,490, about 1,307 full-time jobs are currently being advertised. 700 part-time jobs and 80 or so contract positions are being advertised. Of the total of 1,490, 1,220 were considered entry-level opportunities. Those are... Jobs posted for do- for doctors of chiropractic, chiropractor, chiropractic. Of a total of about fifteen hundred jobs in the entire country, there's not very many. It's quite a small market. Currently on the VA, there were no jobs for doctors of chiropractic, but there was open enrollment. Where you could be a fee for service provider, basically an independent contractor, for different types of VA plans. I think of the gold choice. I think the choice program was recruiting doctors into their network uh, essentially. So you could sign up for the network as a provider, but there were no jobs posted. At the VA though, um you can research government jobs. And the average salary for doctors of chiropractic that work at the VA was $75,000 per year. Um, If we compare this to the doctors of physical therapy, they had more than 21,000 jobs, 18,000 of which were full-time, almost 6,000 are part-time, about 1,300 were contract, and uh, 18,000 were considered entry-level we I mean, were talking multiples of 10 10 times more jobs if not more you know thir- uh, well more than double because the 1400 total I, there's more than uh, there's more than 10 times the number of jobs for physical therapy available than there are for doctors of chiropractic i try to do a little bit of uh, math with some of the numbers on the post. Uh, the joint uh, seemed to be the most prevalent employer uh, right now that's recruiting doctors of chiropractic. They're, they do not offer uh, benefits or retirement. I could not find uh, any jobs currently posted that offered any sort of benefit for doctors of chiropractic. Uh, Some of the things that I did see listed as benefits were medical insurance reimbursement. I don't, you know, they're just, they're willing to pay you back for money that you spend. Um, I'm not sure that that's a benefit. Maybe it it would be, but it certainly was not benefits provided. You had to go and buy your own benefits. And then there was uh, paid malpractice and paid continuing education. These are some of the benefits that I could find that were available. But certainly, no, I could not find 401k. I looked through hundreds of job postings. Nowhere did I see anything that mentioned 401k or uh, retirement planning, health benefits, and anything of the nature, paid vacations, things like that. Um, But the joint may have paid vacations. Uh, I don't want to say they don't, but they certainly do not seem to offer uh, any type of uh, retirement or uh, medical benefits they don't share a lot of information in their job postings the average job offer uh, there again is sixty-one to $85,000 depending on experience so I think you're going to wind up in that similar ballpark of 75000 Uh again uh, they are The reason there is a range is because they're looking for people with clinical experience. So if you're the new graduate coming out of school, don't expect to be on the higher end of that range. Expect to be on the lower end of that range. And, uh, even on their recruiting ads, the range starts at 40,000. Uh, so 40 to 60,000 is the low end range. Uh, but again, uh, not a lot of information, uh, is shared. Uh, but of the 1,500 jobs or so that were posted, 80 of them were for the joint. They had more than 400 locations. Uh, some of them are owned by chiropractors. Some of them are not owned by chiropractors. There was no definitive salary information on the website. But you know, the joint and really any practice that you're going to work for is going to have a certain style or type of practice. You're not going to be allowed to walk go in there and practice any way that you want to more than likely, you're going to have to practice exactly how you're told to. Some people would think of that as, quote, drinking the Kool-Aid. Now, you have to, again, now, if you went into the job search thinking, I want to practice Atlas Orthogonal, uh, and then you may gain a considerable amount of experience and knowledge working in an Atlas Orthogonal practice, and you are not compromising anything by dedicating yourself to that technique because that's the technique that you want to practice. But if you want to be an Atlas orthogonal doctor and you, you're not going to be very satisfied working at the joint where you are forced to use a particular style of practice. Um, People talk about um, the need to drink the Kool-Aid because uh, exploiting associates is a common evolution from all many practice management companies that are out there so the practice management company the guru they get in the door and working with an individual chiropractor and setting up their office and their policy procedure but they have to keep the scam going and they have to keep coming up with ways in order to exploit the doctor of chiropractic or make sure that the doctor continues to pay them for their services. So the natural evolution of that is an associate program. And there's a number of them out there. Some of them even call them the million dollar associate program or level two or, you know, they they, they have a number of different names. And these, these are programs that are designed to intentionally exploit the new graduate or the person the the associates an abusive relationship they give you all the documents they should they give you these ironclad non-compete agreements they give you they tell you exactly how to set up the independent contractor agreement they tell you how to structure the commission agreement along with the draw to ensure that the associate makes very little money but makes a fortune for the practice and builds the practice so that the practice owner uh, reaps a lot of benefits because the more benefit that they reap the more money they can pay to the guru that taught them how to exploit the associate uh, you know to to keep the cycle going, but it's very very common <clears throat> uh so you have to be very careful. I've even gone as far uh and I encourage anybody when you find in a position that you're interested in uh you should call and pre-qualify the appointment. I remember when I first graduated, the first, I I of course went and talked to people and uh, it got to the point where I started pre-qualifying the interview. Like, is it even worth my time traveling? Because you got to keep in mind, there's not very many of these opportunities so they're they're spread out by some distance and you may need to travel quite far and it's quite disappointing to travel two three hours to speak with somebody about an employment opportunity that's not even an employment opportunity uh, so i would start asking a series of questions heading before i would attend the interview uh, and i remember one doctor in particular i had asked a number of point blank questions Is this a salary position or is this an independent contractor position what is the starting salary or you know and i believed that i was traveling uh to go uh seek uh, employment that met all of my criteria and then when i got there the gentleman was literally reading directly from a manual that they had purchased from some management company uh, following a script through the interview process and then uh, made it clear that this was a uh commissioned position that would require an investment of a great deal of time and commitment to his office. That there was non-competes. That, uh, these patients were his patients. I had to do all the work to find the patients. I would have to, before I could make any money, I had to make, and then the commission structure was, was structured in a way where, uh, I would have to make him, uh, $30,000 in order to make $3,000. So it was only 10%. But it would be as much as fifty percent once I made him fifty thousand dollars. So, but you can see how these numbers are, you know, ludicrous. And obviously, oh, then the, of course there's the, well, this is to motivate you. This, you know, right? You need to make me even more money before I pay you a higher commission split or a fair commission split because we don't want you to get lazy. Because if you're making, you know, enough money only on seeing this many patients and you have no motivation to see any more patients so you know and then there's all these uh carrots at the end of the stick these well you can open up your own practice and you can do this and we're going to do that and you know even in these practices that because when i one of these practices was right down the street a guy um you know i went and listened to him talk and about his speech there and uh, it was not an attractive opportunity. It was a terrible opportunity. And he has seven, eight doctors that are constantly on the books. They're filtered through town. They Some of them work there for six months. Some of them work there for a year. But he's only opened... Actually, I'm not sure that he's opened any offices. He's bought offices and people have moved into offices and they might in some be some sort of part owner. But that's only happened with a very few of all the doctors that have worked there, and it took years. None of them, uh, he was not opening any offices for people after a year or two years. He was, you know, people were taking over offices he already owned uh, after a number of years, Um, and it's still uh, fairly certain that the offices were still his, but perhaps the and it you know the the details get murky uh but it's possible that the doctors were sharing in the profits or the revenues of those offices um but um I can only recall in ten years I can only recall one office that he actually opened uh, the other offices were already in existence um So they they didn't open any offices for any doctors. But dozens and dozens and dozens of chiropractors over those 10 years had gone through that office. And all of them were given the same speech when they first applied for that opportunity. And all of them signed all the same paperwork. And that's why all of them had to get out of town whenever he deemed them um, unfit. To work in his office, but he kept all of the patients and all of those people continue to go to his office and he continues to earn income from the work that those people did years later, years after they leave. Um, and he didn't pay very much. I mean, the the salaries, even when they say that they have a salary, some of these salaries are not enough money to even be considered uh, minimum wage when you look at the hours that you need to invest in order to get these salaries i uh, i know one uh one opportunity um was advertised at forty two thousand dollars this was one of the better ones there were some that were at thirty six there were some that were in the twenties um, so so i mean some of these starting salaries are incredibly low and really insulting, considering the investment of time and money that's been made. Uh, to get the license, and then just the cost of the license, it's just, you know, you'd have to work for two weeks to pay for the license, it was just, it, it was insane, uh, how what, how little money these people are paying, but then when you looked at this, the um, investment of time, you were working 50, 60 hours a week, because you're out doing marketing, you're out doing things to generate patients, and uh, you know, when you do the math, you're making uh, less than minimum wage, as a licensed doctor, uh, it's it's a terrible position to be in uh, with these abusive contracts that are. It's designed abuse with with these standardized forms. So be on the lookout for these manuals and for these programs, um, and because you don't want to be exploited, you do, you may want to learn, but you certainly don't want to be exploited, and and scripted interviews and and things that are scripted. Um, these are not indications that you're heading into a, a healthy opportunity. You need to be aware of any any one or any ad or any posting or any doctor that uh, is it, just unwilling to share concrete information. If everything is in broad terms, and after you talk with them, you still have a number of unanswered questions. Uh, you need to be aware. There's a reason why the why, why reality is being obscured and why they're not being straightforward and honest. When you call the VA and you ask the VA uh, questions, they give you very poignant, direct answers uh, because there is no room for ambiguity. They It, it doesn't serve them uh, or you uh, to not be forthright. But if they're attempting to take advantage of you and they're attempting to develop an abusive relationship then it's in their best then it is in their advantage to be ambiguous or to be yeah whatever that word is to be vague and to withhold information and to lead you in one direction and switch things at the last second and and, and do other things and that's what these scripts are designed to do to lead the conversation away from concrete information and into ambiguity um and, you know, and really when they talk about salary, if they say, oh, you're going to make between thirty and $50,000, you're going to make between forty and $80,000, that's not an answer. Uh, that's a, that's just a, a trick that they're playing. You want concrete answers. These are important decisions you're trying to make and you can't be making them on broad generalizations that have no real meaning. You know, what is it that you're doing? You know, um... Uh, if, is this a high-volume office? Do you want to be a high-volume office? What is really going on? And from a number of people that I've talked to, they get into these associate positions at these high-volume practices, and they're realizing that they're not necessarily the most ethical or honorable places to be working, and that they could be actually uh, in trouble, that the, maybe their NPI number or their license is being exploited, there there may be fraudulent billing taking place that they're not, they're not quite sure about uh, or they're not comfortable with. Um, you know, but they're the business practice. That's the way the practice operates. That's their policy and procedure. So you're got to be really careful with that. And it typically involves the high, the high volume practice when there's just a massive number of people moving through the office. There's CAs, there's billers. You don't have a whole lot of idea of exactly what's going on, and it takes time in order to find out because they're not really honest when they answer questions. They don't. They don't completely answer questions. They're not 100% forthright. They're not very direct in answering questions. So it takes time to learn these things. Draws versus commissions. That's another, you know, you got to be real careful with that uh, because you could wind up, uh, not necessarily paying people money, but you could wind up doing a lot of work for very little money if you're in a draw versus commission scenario, um, You know, and then don't be afraid to hold people accountable. If you're doing your pre-qualification of the interview, and someone tells you on the phone while you're setting up the interview that this is a salary position, and then you show up for the interview, and then they tell you that this is not a salary position, or whatever the contradiction may be, hold them accountable. Make the you know make them aware of the fact that you were brought here under false pretenses, or this is what your impression was, and because that'll help you uh, take control of the situation. Especially, and then see if you're. Are confident and you are um, holding people accountable, it's not worth their time to try and take advantage of you because you're not uh, going to you know they don't want a lot of resistance they want somebody that's going to conform they want somebody that's going to sign the papers that's not going to read them they want somebody that's going to follow orders and somebody that's going to fall in line and that's going to just sit back and be a, and let and allow themselves to be exploited and abused uh for at least 6 or 8 months before they realize that they're being exploited and abused and then once they realize it they've already signed the paperwork and the only recourse that they have is to get out of town uh, so that's Ultimately, what the best outcome is for these abusive relationships is somebody comes in, they work a short amount of time, they invest a lot of time and energy out there in the community doing a lot of marketing, getting a lot of people in the door, and by the time they get them under care, they establish before they can establish their name too much, they're kicked out of town, they're gone, the original practice owner is still there and those people are still showing up for their appointments and they're still collecting money on all the hard work that you did, even though... Uh, you can't practice within twenty miles of that office anymore um so hold them accountable and just by holding them accountable you will stop becoming a target and they just it, it's just not worth um, you know you just don't want to be a target essentially and that's one way to ensure that you're not a target is to ask questions and hold people accountable uh one of the most common um associate abusive associate positions uh is the million dollar associate program and it follows a commission structure uh and if you ask a lot of questions it should be quite obvious why they call it the million dollar associate it's because the doctor uh, that hires it's how to make a million dollars from an associate uh without paying them very much money um so just be on, on the lookout for that. I don't want to say that they've never heard of it. You know, there, are, there are opportunities that are successful opportunities uh, for employment. And there are good doctors out there that hire people. But they're just very few and far between. If you're getting into this profession because you want a job, you want to look towards physical therapy. Uh, that's a much better education. One, the education is shorter. You're going to graduate faster. That means that the education is also cheaper just because it's shorter. There's fewer credit hours that you have to take. There's also subsidies because those programs are offered. The doctor of physical therapy program is offered at more than 200 universities across the country. You can attend a major university, a state university, subsidized universities, who their their credit hours are significantly cheaper than chiropractic colleges because they are private schools and they are not subsidized by the community so the per credit there are fewer number of credit hours and the average cost per credit is significantly cheaper making the doctor of physical therapy program significantly cheaper and it qualifies you for more than 10 times the number of jobs across the country that pay more than the doctor of chiropractic so if you want to a job and you want to work for somebody and that's your goal, then you don't need to be a doctor of chiropractic. If you want to be independent and you want to own your own business, you want to develop your own style of practice, you want to um, you know, build your uh, uh, a valuable service that's provided within your community uh, and develop a relationship with your community as a business owner and as a provider of care and as a healer. Then it's a wonderful profession, but it's not a great profession if you're looking to punch a time clock. There's very few jobs out there. Of the jobs that are out there, a significant number of them are abusive relationships that are meant to exploit and they pay very little, Uh, or they're just not great jobs. You know, like the joint is a big employer. They're the ones doing the most hiring. There's nothing particularly wrong with the job. You're learning and you're dedicated to a particular practice style. And if you like that practice style, great. But it doesn't pay a whole lot, and that's their business model. is making is is making money from not paying a whole lot. That's the you know that's pretty much what they how they make profits. <laughs> is to provide a bunch of care on the cheap and then they don't pay the provider very much and they don't have a lot invested in them as an employee because there's there's no four o one k there's no profit sharing there there's none of those tangible benefits of being an employee that come with working at the joint other than a paycheck. So if you want to show up from nine to five, punch a clock and get a paycheck, you can, and you can get that at the joint, but you're not going to make very much money, especially when you consider the investment in the education, because you have a a very, what a waste of an education. I mean, you're basically the technician. You're You're almost like a CA essentially at the joint, because it's just such a minimalistic approach to care. Rather than developing an individual rapport with the patient, evaluating their overall health, ensuring that if there is a necessary referral that is being made, um, making the necessary diagnosis when it's necessary, but also being philosophically based and uh, providing care that you know is the best that you can provide to that patient at that time, regardless of what uh, anybody may say. And, you know, there's a lot of liability that comes along with being the only, you know, the buck stops with the owner. So you're responsible for everything, but really it's not that much to handle. You can do it. Everybody does it. I don't want to say everybody does it, meaning that there are people that do not have an education that open up successful businesses all of the time. People that wash cars, detail cars, people that Auto mechanics; these people, auto mechanics, don't have a lot of training in running a business, but there's plenty of auto mechanics that own businesses. People that cut hair; you go to hair school, they don't teach you how to run a salon, but there's plenty of people that cut hair that own salons and style hair and do that. Same thing with with, with any number of other businesses. Uh, some businesses, you know, uh, there's there's not a, a, a Kanye West rap school, but he's been successful as a, 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 a hip hop artist and and business mogul. Uh, but he, he wasn't never taught those things, so it's really an, well an excuse that's manifested in fear when people say, "Well, they don't teach you how to run a business in chiropractic school." Well, they don't teach you how to run a business in any trade school. They teach you how they teach you the trade. That's what you're meant to learn. And if you are good at your trade, then you will be a successful business owner. Focus on the trade, practicing the trade. Yes, you will need to market yourself, but you don't need to be an expert in marketing. You just need to actually put some effort and energy into marketing so that people are aware of you. Once people become aware of you, it's going to be your service that's what you're selling. It's going to be the care that you provide. That's what's going to build your practice because once you get a few people in the door, if you're a great chiropractor, those few people, they're going to send a few more people. If you're not a good chiropractor and you're not doing a good job and you're trying to exploit people, you're in some high volume situation or something, who knows, they're not going to send a bunch of other people. It's all on the it's all on the quality of the service that you provide. So that's what they're trying to train you in chiropractic school. That's the training you need is how to provide a great service, how to be a great doctor of chiropractic, not how to run a business. Because there really is not that much to running a business, it's particularly a chiropractic business. It's quite an easy business system up and running and start and everything else. Look at restaurants. I mean, the vast majority of restaurants fail. The vast majority of chiropractic practices do not fail. So, uh, you know, and cooks are what open up restaurants, right? Or maitre d's. And when you go to the culinary institute, they might teach you about wine and sauce and salad and roasting and baking and mixing and chopping. They're not teaching you uh, how the, the how to market uh, a restaurant, maybe they have a little bit, just like they have a little bit of that at chiropractic school. so this is just an excuse Anything that you need to know to run a business there 's going to be a government agency that dictate to dictates to you how to do it so if you want to you need to pay your taxes you don 't need an accountant, you need to go to the website and follow the instructions on how to pay your taxes you need uh, to fill out forms. There's instructions on the forms. There's websites to tell you how to fill out the forms. You need to uh, open a bank account. I mean, it, you know, you just have to do the basic common sense things. It's not overly complicated, and you're not alone. There are people will help you, um, and the, but you know, just like anything, people will take advantage of you. So I mean, you need to be on the lookout. There's what I call healthy paranoia in starting a practice. But if you are uh, have the opportunity and you are motivated and you have goals in chiropractic, you're far better off, in my opinion, opening an office than you are even spending the time looking for employment because the employment is so few and far between. If you're going to take the employment route, you should be prepared to go to wherever the employment is. You should... Determine what it is that you're wanting to get out of that employment other than a paycheck is this the type what, what How do I want to practice? What do I want to learn? Is this opportunity going to allow me to gain experience either in that technique or in that style of practice or uh, you know whatever other goals you may have? In terms of running a business, if you're going into an associate position hoping to learn how to run a business, again, they're not, there's very little to teach. There, nobody's going to be able to teach you that. Uh, what you need to do, it, what they're going to teach you to do and what they need you to do is learn how to practice chiropractic and to be a chiropractor, get people in the door and take care of patients. That's what they're going to teach you what, how to do and that's what you need to learn how to do because that's what it requires to run a practice. So nobody's gonna there is no magic answer out there there's, there's no how to run a business one oh one you know you need an office well renting uh commercial space or buying commercial property is very similar you know um there's not there's no how to find an apartment class uh, but yet everybody has an apartment or every you know know how to find a home you know <laughs> what kind of home do you want what's important to you what's your budget what can you afford right and then you find a home same thing with an office what's your budget what's important to you and you go and you find it and you just do it uh, you know the, the, you didn't have to have a class you have to have someone dictate to you the step-by-step process that you should complete in order to find a place to live uh, <laughs> so uh there's I can understand the fear I can understand the lack of experience I can understand the desire to have a mentor, but I think it would uh, almost be easier to find a mentor someone to work with that's already in practice that'll help you and guide you when needed uh to opening up your own practice uh, would be far more helpful than and even easier to find than in a a job because the jobs are so few and far between like you know uh, and they're so highly competitive that it, instead of you dictating, I want to be in on the West Coast. I want to be on the East Coast. I want to be on a mountain. I want to be on a beach. I want to be near a lake. I want to be near my mom. I want to be near my dad. I want to, you know, and rather than you dictating where you're going to spend your time because this is where you want to be, the job is what's going to dictate where you're going to be and where you're going to live uh, because there are so, so few jobs, and then. Uh, of the jobs that are available, there's so few that'll meet your criteria. But it's certainly understandable if you want to learn a specific technique, if you want to learn a particular practice style, or you just want to gain experience working in general, that you work for somebody else. The best opportunities I've seen have been when people worked with friends, believe it or not. I know you're always going to hear the opposite of that, but there, you know, fortunately <laughs> Strangers are pretty willing to take advantage of strangers, but friends are not so willing to take advantage of friends their family so when uh, my when i when i've uh had uh friends that have had successful uh, associate positions, they have been people that um for an example that that have had long term relationships with for an example the ones that are coming to mind immediately are a couple of friends that were under a particular chiropractor's care. They decided they wanted to become chiropractors and when they graduated, they went to go work for that chiropractor. I believe they worked with them for uh, uh, some time and then opened up their own business. Uh, But that seemed to be a very good uh, outcome and long-term relationship. But again, they, they knew the person prior to going to school. And really all those situations where they knew what they were going to do before they went to school. I mean, when I graduate, I'm gonna go work for this doctor in this town uh, those, have, uh, for the most part, have all worked out relatively well. Um, I can't think of one of those that, ha- that went quite poorly. But I do know of a number of uh, people that, out of school, took associate positions, invested a great deal of time and money, moved to particular regions, and the, the job went very poorly. They made very little money. They worked incredibly hard. They may have made a small fortune for the doctor that they worked for. They feel that they were screwed or manipulated. I heard that time and again, but that was not friends and family that did that to them. You now, when someone went to go work for their brother or went to go work for their uncle or went to go work for someone that they had known for years uh, or went to go work for the chiropractor that had brought them into chiropractic or suggested they had gone to school, those all worked out wonderfully. Uh, but then uh, there was a number of people uh, that had horror stories and nightmares of associate positions that went terrible. Uh, for some reason there was a lot of friends there was a lot of people that were going to Nashville there was somebody in Nashville had something going on and a lot of that went really poorly There were some people that were going to Michigan. There was a small group of people that I knew that were getting together and they were going to work in Michigan with this guy. And it wound up that that guy didn't have a license because his license had been taken away and he uh, had these other doctors working for him and then he was doing the office stuff, quote, the business stuff that they didn't know how to do. And he what his business stuff was Medicare fraud and he wound up getting those people in trouble uh, I don't believe anyone lost their license, but they definitely had a major setback in their career because they trusted this man, they went to work with this man, and then this man did the exact same thing with their licenses that he did with his license that resulted in him losing his license, which was Medicare fraud, and now these people have to deal with, uh, had to deal with that, and that was a huge problem. So, I mean, you've got to be really careful uh with the opportunities that are out there. Um But the best one, those have always been the best. Or or also the similar story, a lot of success with people that were highly dedicated to a particular technique. And they stuck with the technique or, or mentors that they had found uh, through learning that particular technique. Uh, Atlas Orthogonal is one that comes to mind. One, the table is incredibly expensive. There's not a lot of training uh, in school on that particular technique. Uh, there's a lot of wonderful research out there. Um, and some neuro, some other neurology things where uh, while they were in school, they started learning these techniques, so they started learning these things, and then just got more and more involved with the technique uh, that they wound up working with people that were part of the technique and uh, continued their training and then became teachers in that technique. You know, it was a long-term commitment they made, not just to the profession, but to the technique. And those seemed to work out particularly, those seemed to work out well too. I didn't hear a lot of horror stories because someone was highly dedicated to a particular technique, but I did hear a lot of horror stories about people that signed up for uh, expensive offices with practice management companies right out of school or associate, you know, practice management associate positions, uh, all those things. A lot of those uh, wound up going uh, very poorly. It was not a particularly uh, good opportunity. So if you're dealing with a fifteen hundred jobs, and two hundred of them are abusive practice management positions, what um, in my opinion it might be it's likely significantly more than that. Now you're down to you know twelve hundred jobs, um, you know, and then how many of those require experience? Um, so now you're down to you know eight hundred jobs. How many of them are in one of your 50 st- you know, or in the st- not just in your city but in your state now you might be down to you know 10 or 12 jobs and that's the totality of all of the jobs that are available for a chiropractor in that state that's so not like uh, uh going to school and getting your welding certificate where there may be 8 or 9 jobs available in your city or in your county Uh, for welders there and hundreds of jobs available uh, in your state or even physical therapy where there's tens of thousands of jobs and there's hundreds of jobs available in your state and there's probably 10 or 20 available in whatever community uh, you decide you want to be in Uh, so my verdict if you're going to join the chiropractic profession uh, you should be Joining the profession in order to be your own boss, in order to open up your own business, in order to develop your own practice. If you're in the profession, then this should be your your goal should be uh, to open up your own office as soon as possible, and then you should be dedicated to self-employment uh, to make a living in the chiropractic profession. But it's a wonderful profession. It's a wonderful opportunity. Uh, maybe we'll do another podcast where we talk about the fears. Uh, and try to overcome some of them. Uh, I know we. I definitely want to talk more about, um, you know, practice. You know, the actual business of chiropractic. Um, we'll, and I want to not say um quite so much in the next podcast. But I, I love and appreciate all of you for taking the time to listen to me. This is Doctor BJ Roker with Cairo Union. This is the uh, most recent installment of the Cairo Union podcast, and I uh, hope to be back soon. Uh, we got a lot of exciting things going on. And uh, day by day, uh, hour by hour, uh, always working to improve in all ways. Thank you very much. Audio.